Hey, 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 what's happening? Thanks for joining us on the South Central Indiana News Network. You're listening to What's Happening, where we highlight local news and events for Bloomington and the surrounding region. Skip Daly here, and I am indeed joined by Julie Beasley this week. Julie, it's been a little while. Uh, how are you, and, and how's the doctor program going uh, over at IU that you're immersed with? Say hi, Skip. It has been a while. I think it has been about three months, probably since August. So good to be back and good to see you. I would say first off, things are are going well. I don't think I've ever been so busy as I am. I've never been so busy in my life. And that says a lot because we typically stay on the move and very busy. Probably the most challenging time of my life, yet the most rewarding at the same time. So Everything is going well, enjoying it. It's been interesting trying to find a new balance with our family dynamics. I may have a class that goes until nine o'clock in the evening and kids have still have activities. So there's still kids. They have basketball and football and children's choir and guitar lessons. So it's madness. It's chaos. But I really wouldn't have it any other way. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Did you have a little bit of peace here over the last couple of days? Of course, we've had Thanksgiving. We're in the we're in the middle of what's known as the Thanksgiving weekend. Did you have a good start to that? I did. Spent the first part of Thanksgiving going to Gatlinburg to celebrate my mother's birthday. So got some peace in the mountains, came back, and I pretty much mentally shut down all week, which I greatly needed and the kids, I think, greatly needed as well. So we've been able to see my husband's family and my family quite a bit and be able to have some time at home and actually do some work on our house and try and get things back together after going through some renovations uh, the last few months. So it's nice to have a little bit of a break. Well, I can relate with the renovations completely. As uh, as you know, offline, we've talked about the remodel that I've been taking on here over the last, oh, I don't know, five or six weeks. I don't know why I keep getting myself into these projects. <laughs> it, it's a, a pitfall of being a homeowner, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a pitfall. All right. It is definitely a pitfall. But I tell you what, last evening, well, uh, first off, We've got the show airing today on Saturday. Normally, we're a Friday evening show, but we decided with the holiday that it was best to go ahead and take a little bit of extra time and get the show off on Saturday. Last night was Friday night, and Mm -hmm. I did take my daughter down our, our tradition. Of course, it was broken up last year, but our tradition is to go down to the Canopy of Lights in downtown Bloomington. Uh, that was a treat again this year. Sadly, I don't think there was as many participants in the crowd as there have been in years past. But again, the, the weather was colder this year and folks are still kind of getting back to that what is normal mm-hmm. routine, so to say. A good time seemed to be had by all that were that were there. Of course, You know, there were comments by dignitaries. They had music by some of the local symphonies and and jazz groups and whatnot. And there was indeed an appearance by Santa Claus. So that was a good good time. And then at little after seven, they counted down and they flipped the switch and the lights that are provided, I think, largely by CFC, they lit up and they'll be lit up probably for a couple months to come. So if you were not down there last night, go ahead and get down to downtown Bloomington Square and check out those lights. Well, today is November the 27th. Let's take a look back at this week in history. On November 22nd, 1995, Toy Story was released as the very first feature-length film created completely using computer-generated imagery 
Now, Julie, you've got kids, but I guess you don't really need to have kids to enjoy that. Are you a fan of the Toy Story Now series? Uh, I've definitely seen Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2. My, well, I, think uh, little, got, I think they got four or five of them. Now. I think there's four or five. My mom did take them a few years ago, I think, to four. So we love Toy Story in this house. All right. November 23rd, 1991. Sadly, Queen lead singer Freddie Mercury announced in a statement that he was HIV positive and he passed away the following day. And November the 24th, 1859, Charles Darwin published On the Origin of Species. And on November 25th, 1915, Albert Einstein presented the field equations of general relativity to the Prussian Academy of Sciences. And that, of course, is still the current description of gravitation in modern physics. And on November 26th, 1789, a national Thanksgiving Day was observed in the United States as proclaimed by President George Washington at the request of his Congress. And it was not until 1863 President Lincoln would declare Thanksgiving a national holiday. And today's special celebrity birthday, Dale Jarrett. He's taken thousands of trips around the racetrack, but yesterday was his 65th trip around the sun. Happy birthday to the three-time Daytona 500 race car driver and current sportscaster. And today on the show, we will welcome Jake Bruner with the Hoosier Hills Food Bank and our community update brought to us by the Porthole Inn at Lake Lemon. And we will feature the music of Amanda Webb. But first, your local news headlines are brought to us by American Senior Benefits of Bloomington, providing innovative and smart money options for life and health insurance and investments. American Senior Benefits of Bloomington, they're online at asbofindiana.com. Now, Skip, tell us what's happening. Indiana legislative leaders have backed away from a rushed proposal to support Hoosier employee rights, which would grant COVID-19 vaccination requirement exemptions and protect student rights by blocking recent state university mandates. The proposal was set to include the steps Governor Holcomb has stated are his precursors to ending the state's emergency order, which expires on December the 1st. Although the announcement came on Wednesday, that the legislature would instead wait until the January 4th, 2022 start of the regular 10-week legislative session to take up new measures focused on COVID-19. During a lengthy committee hearing earlier this week, opposition sprung from both sides of the aisle regarding the plan, which was up for debate. Some Indiana businesses objected to state interference and vaccine mandate opponents who said the proposal did not go far enough protecting Hoosier rights. Soil samples taken from properties where debris was most heavily dispersed after the November 5th controlled burn by the Bloomington Fire Department do not contain levels of lead exceeding Indiana Department of Environmental Management limits for residential or direct contact exposure. None of the collected samples exceeded 200 parts per million for lead. The state requires action to be taken if lead levels exceed 400 parts per million. Once all the test results have been received, the City of Bloomington plans on releasing a comprehensive written report to include the test results for review. Environmental remediation consultants advise that residents in the affected area may rake leaves to the edge of their property for vacuum collection by the city. If any visible paint flakes are found, they may be disposed of in the normal household trash. 
The city of Bloomington offers free downtown parking opportunities throughout the month of December. Saturday parking in the city of Bloomington's parking garages at Morton Street, Walnut Street, 4th Street, and the Trades District will be offered free of charge. Additionally, garage parking will be free Friday, December the 24th, and Friday, December the 31st, along with Saturday, January 1st of the new year. Parking also in the city of Bloomington garages and on the street is free each and every Sunday. Indiana University senior Elvin Urahami, who has played a key role in published brain research and demonstrated a passion for helping others through nonprofit work and student government roles, is one of 32 U.S. students chosen as a Rhodes Scholar. In October, he will go to the United Kingdom on the renowned scholarship to study at the University of Oxford. A Herman B. Wells Scholar and a neuroscience major, Urahami is the 19th student in IU history to be named a Rhodes Scholar. He plans to pursue a Master of Science in Translational Health Sciences and a Master of Science in Evidence-Based Social Intervention at Oxford. The fourth-ranked Lady Hoosiers lost on Thanksgiving Day to the seventh-ranked defending NCAA champion Cardinal of Stanford. IU only shot 32% from the field, but still kept it close throughout the game against a much taller Stanford, who out-rebounded the Hoosiers 59-38. The now 4-1 women face Miami tonight, 8.30 p.m., in their second game of the Pink Flamingo Championship held in the Bahamas. Meanwhile, the Indiana men who are 5-0 under coach Mike Woodson, will host Marshall this evening at 7 p.m. Assembly Hall. Installation of custom artwork at Bloomington's 4th Street Garage will start beginning Monday, November 29th and will require closure of the eastbound lane of 4th Street between College Avenue and Walnut Street and the sidewalk on the south side of the street from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and that will run through Thursday, December 2nd. The left parking lane of Walnut Street and the sidewalk on the west side of the street will also be closed and unavailable for parking between 3rd and 4th Streets from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., December 3rd through 17th. The artwork is called Urban Fabric and features almost 9,000 aluminum panels to be installed across the structure's facade. It draws inspiration from the traditional art of quilting and was fabricated using a technique minimizing material waste. And those are your local news headlines. We'll be back with more of what's happening right after this quick message from our sponsors. This is Danny with Weathervane Insurance Solutions. Not only is it especially important for our economy to support local businesses these days, but as your local independent insurance agency, Weathervane Insurance can shop you around with dozens of carriers to ensure you receive the most competitive price and, of course, the best customer service. Find us on the web at weathervaneonline.com. That's weathervaneonline.com. Are you concerned about your life insurance coverage during these uncertain times in history? I'm Adam Beasley with American Senior Benefits right here in Bloomington, and we can help you find the best coverage for you and your family. We work for you to find the best plan out of more than 150 companies. We can compare your existing coverage or start a brand new plan. From newborn to 89 years old, from term to permanent, we'll find what's best for you. Call us at American Senior Benefits, 812-631-2305.
Welcome back. You're listening to What's Happening on the South Central Indiana News Network. Skip Daily here along with Julie Beasley. And that was the music of Amanda Webb. Our community update is brought to us by the world-famous, family-friendly Porthole Inn, the gem of Lake Lemon. The Porthole features just about anything you might want on their menu, including pizzas and steaks. Check out the Porthole on Facebook for up-to-date hours of operation. The ninth annual First Day Trail Run and Walk is January the 1st, 3.30 p.m. at Monroe Lake at Fairfax. This is an untimed, non-competitive run-slash-walk through the forests and fields at Fairfax State Recreational Facility at Monroe Lake. Runners and walkers can choose from a 3.7-mile, 2.9-mile, or 1.3-mile course. Proceeds support events, exhibits, and interpretation at Monroe Lake. Registration and check-in at Fairfax Bay Shelter House from 2.15 to 3.15 p.m. And the run slash walk will start at 3.30 p.m. again. That's January 1st. Well, thanks so much, Skip. Today, we are joined on the program by Jake Bruner, Associate Director with the Hoosier Hills Food Bank here in Bloomington. Hi, Jake. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Julie. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for taking the time to connect with us. I know that we have touched base and we've had many conversations over the years. Obviously, this year is much different than years past as we're navigating through the pandemic. You work with Hoosier Hills Food Bank based in Bloomington, but you cover a wide area around the the Monroe County and Bloomington area. Before we jump in and start talking a little bit about what your role has looked like and how things have changed with the food bank with the pandemic, can you give our listeners a little bit of background about Hoosier Hills Food Bank, maybe a little bit about how it started, and then also the coverage area that you serve? Yeah, not a problem at all. And again, thanks for having us. And we we are happy to share about uh, what's been going on. The food bank actually just celebrated its 39th birthday on uh, November 18th. So we're, we're going to move into our 40th year of operation. And, and back in 1982, things started really small by doing some small collections from a few restaurants here in Bloomington. And and Bloomington's always been our, our main base of, uh, in Monroe County, our main base of support. But we do, like you mentioned, serve six counties in South Central Indiana, Brown, Owen, Lawrence, Martin, and Orange, as well as Monroe, and Monroe being the biggest population that we serve. But over 100 food agencies across those six counties. Like you were mentioning, too, just things have changed over time. We have we started as this small feeding organization. Now we've grown to serving over 100 member agencies and between five and seven million pounds of food per year. And that that demand has never really gone away. It's just increased over time. In fact, we feel like we've never really never really met it. And as we've kind of evolved over time, we found different avenues and different ways to to collect food and, and target what our agencies really need. So we do everything from collect canned goods to glean and purchase produce to rescue prepared food from campus and MCCSC and try to get food any way we can because we know the agencies really need it. And um, it's it's definitely been a struggle over the past year and a half, more so than, than probably any time I can remember. 
Now you said that the Hoosier Hills Food Bank has been in business since 1982. How long, how long have you been with the food bank and how has your role changed over the years, especially given the pandemic in the last 18 months? Sure. Um, so yeah, I've been with the food bank uh, 12 years and uh, my role started as uh, more, uh, and it still is a little bit, but administration type role. But as a food banker, we we do everything from get on a forklift to drive trucks to rescue food ourselves. But my role is primarily trying to bring in the resources that we need, whether that be um, volunteers, food advocacy, or financial support, just to do what we do every day. And, and it takes quite a bit of an effort to, to be able to pull that off. And you mentioned how things changed over the past year and a half or during the pandemic. Obviously, the, the pandemic was is, is, is still going on and is horrible for everyone in, in affected. There were a few bright spots, however, last year is that we saw some donors who really stepped up to make things better for us. And we were able to expand our capacity last year by quite a bit by being able to acquire a new truck and some new staff and then be able to purchase a lot of food with for our for our agencies, which is something that we've never really been able to do before. And that was great. What we're seeing now is is a lot of that support waning while we still see a lot of support. Some of that big stuff, that national focus is kind of going away while the demand remains high and the agencies are still needing food and lots of folks are still affected by the, the ongoing pandemic. To bounce off of that, you've, I've heard you mention agencies several times. I saw a national story, um, a news report several weeks ago, talking about how the demand has just grown during the pandemic and food pantries agencies are not able to keep up um, during this time. Can you talk a little bit about what is your relationship with the agencies in the area? As you mentioned, you're covering a multi-county coverage area. So what is that relationship with agencies like? And when you're receiving donations, when you're actually working through those donations and delivering those to agencies, what is that process? What is that like for for listeners who may not have a good grasp on on how you function? What we do is we're technically a middleman that collects the resources to distribute to our agencies. And so we've moved completely to contactless types of distributions. We do mainly deliveries anymore, but we also have an online ordering system where agencies can get specific foods that they need. We stage that product for them and then they come and get that product. An agency may be referring to like Pantry 279 that is also um, serving lots of folks. They they heavily depend on us to be able to acquire food like produce and for Thanksgiving turkeys and things like that, that that are hard to come by. So as you mentioned, getting some of those resources is, is not quite as easy as it used to be. In fact, we weren't even able to provide all the turkeys that our agencies need, but we tried our best to get a bunch of turkeys. And we started that process back in July, actually, to be sure that we were able to to get those for, for places like Pantry 279. So all of these agencies, not just in Monroe County, but some of these rural parts of the state are depending on us to bring in resources to be able to feed the individuals that, that they see every day. And as we were talking about that, that need has remained high. It may not be quite as high as it was last year, but it hasn't leveled off to where it was pre-pandemic. And in order to continue to help our agencies meet that need, we need to still acquire the same amount of resources. And we've, we're kind of seeing that fall short, which is also exasperated by the fact that the supply chain is is has hiccups as well. Just because we want to go out and acquire some food or try to solicit some food for our agencies doesn't mean that we're going to be able to get that. There's definitely some supply chain backups, which is just exasperating the problem down the, down the line. 
I know this time of year with the holidays, with Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and Hanukkah, this is a time that food insecurity really comes to top of mind, I think, during these times. However, as you mentioned, this is something that you've been planning for since July, an ongoing work schedule for you and really trying to keep up with demand. As we're approaching December, what are some ways that listeners are able to help? Obviously, starting food drives, finding time to volunteer. Um, what are some things that you need as the holidays are approaching? Sure, I um, appreciate that. Yeah, so during the pandemic, we weren't able to um, have as many volunteers here, and, that, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. This is a very safe, clean environment. We've got lots of safety protocols in place to keep our staff and volunteers safe. So we're, we really want to encourage folks to come and volunteer. In fact, we've got a group of 14 here from the Indiana State Department of Agriculture today packing cereal for us. So we want folks to come out and feel comfortable and volunteer with us, and we need the help. Also, having a food drive at your school, business, or if you just want to go out and collect some food on your own is, is crucial. Those are the types of foods like canned proteins, whether it's soup, peanut butter, tuna, beans, canned vegetables and fruits. Those are very expensive for us to go out and purchase, but if folks can donate those or look in their cupboards and have extra, that's a really great resource and tool for us to, to be able to utilize. Then it provides a mix of foods for our agencies. And then, of course, another way is just to donate financially if you're able to. And, and just by visiting hhfoodbank.org slash donate, you can go straight to our donate page and, and give whatever you're able to. And we have a really great purchasing power. We have partnerships with Feeding America. So a dollar will actually buy four meals for us, which is a great way to, to show that what you're able to donate goes a long way with us and can do a lot with it. Very good. So I think a few things you mentioned, you can go online and donate via your website. What was that website again? Sure, it's hhfoodbank.org slash donate. Okay, and then also canned goods. I know I've heard many times that peanut butter, fruits and veggies that are canned are some of the, the, the top items to be able to be donated. That's correct. And any kind of soups, box dinners are good too. Again, those are just staple items that lots of families are used to having, but lots of families do not have. And those items that don't expire are also good as well because that can help people get through the winter. And again, for us to go out and purchase those in large amounts is just something that we're not able to do. So by donating what we call food drive, it really goes a long way. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. Jake Bruner with the Hoosier Hills Food Bank. We are going to go to a quick commercial and we'll be right back with more here on the South Central Indiana News Network. Are you spending more time at home these days? If so, then you'll want to consider having your carpets professionally cleaned. Brothers Carpet Cleaning has been the region's premier cleaner for nearly a decade. Their truck-mounted systems are the most effective to remove bacteria, allergens, and pet dander. Brothers Carpet Cleaning will professionally clean your carpet, tile, upholstery, and wood. When it has to be clean, call Brothers Carpet Cleaning. Online at CarpetCleaningBrothers.com. I'm injury attorney Matt Lloyd. With an injury claim, don't leave cash on the table by not realizing all the Indiana laws that can help you. The insurance company won't tell you about them, but call me for a free consultation to learn all the important steps to get the best settlement. Call or text 812-333-MAT or go online to MyInjuryCase.com. Let's join forces and fight for a settlement that makes sense for you. 812-333-MAT. I tried to save what couldn't be saved. 
broken ship on the horizon I sailed out there in my pain And kept it company while it sank The sky was below the water plane I couldn't say Welcome back. You are listening to What's Happening on the South Central Indiana News Network. Julie Beasley here along with Jake Bruner with Hoosier Hills Food Bank. And we're back after commercial to talk a little bit more about volunteers and being able to help with donating and focusing on food security in Monroe County, Bloomington here and the surrounding region. Jake, before we went to commercial, we were talking a little bit about volunteers, um, not having as many volunteers during the pandemic there at the food bank. If I were call correctly, I believe that we had the Indiana National Guard that was able to come in and they helped with food banks, not just around Indiana, but around the nation as well. Did did that impact directly Hoosier Hills Food Bank during the early months of the pandemic as well? It definitely did. And we're coming up on a year um, when when that deployment ended, but they really helped us get through last year. One thing that we we haven't talked about on here yet that, that we still do and we did last year that the Guard helped out a lot with is we actually did our own direct distributions out of our parking lot, something that we call Fresh Fridays, which is something that we typically do in the summer when we have an influx of produce, eggs, milk, and some things that we want to give directly to individuals. And that was huge when we had the, the National Guard here to help with those distributions, our senior box packing, and then our mobile pantry packing, because those are ongoing projects that that are happening daily. That was huge when they were here. And of course, we're coming up on a year in December when that deployment ended. And that's why um, we need volunteers so badly now. Now, thinking strategically, um, nobody could have anticipated a pandemic, and I'm sure this is probably one of the most challenging times in the 39 years of the food bank with facing a global pandemic. How have things changed maybe from a managerial perspective, and is there anything that is impacting your future plans with the food bank on things that you've learned over the last 18 months? Sure. Well, one of the things that, we, well, two things we learned really quickly. Well, one was, of course, we wanted to keep our staff and the clients that we serve safe. And so we wanted to take all the protocols that we could to be able to do that because we know that people don't, well, as Julio says, uh, people don't eat in, in the long run, they eat every day. So this problem is only going to get worse during the pandemic. And we knew that. And the other thing that we learned really quickly is that we, we can't do our work from home, we needed we needed to be here. We needed to be actually distributing food, packing food. And so as we prepared for that, we changed some things with our inventory system to allow our agencies to be able to order from us online rather than them all coming in here. We want to keep them safe as well. And then we learned that we wanted to play kind of the long game in order to um, look at things that maybe we want to bring in here, like the turkeys in July for Thanksgiving and other canned goods that, that maybe we know we're going to need down the road. We're still really working hard to keep our facility safe and clean, all of our staff safe and clean so that we can continue to do what we do and and make sure that there's no problems there. You've mentioned the the need for your staff to be in person. You've also mentioned the need for volunteers as well. So if myself or somebody who is listening right now that would like to um, jump in and come over to the food bank and be able to help, can you talk a little bit about what that process is like? Are you able to sign up online? Do you call? What are the hours that you need volunteers for? How many people during a given period of time? Can you walk through a little bit of that? 
Sure. First off, our volunteer manager is Ryan Yoakum, and he manages all volunteers and would love to hear from you. And you can reach him by um, either emailing him at volunteer at hhfoodbank.org or calling 812-334-8374. We really like to talk to people either in person or on the phone to kind of see what what maybe they're willing to do and what times work for them. We're very flexible. We're here Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, and we usually look to, to get volunteers in for two to three hour shifts. Additionally, if you want to volunteer with your office or school or something like that, we can also take groups. We like to limit those to, to 20 at this time. That way we can socially distance and do everything safely. But we've got things like packing boxes for seniors, packing bags for our mobile pantries, and then as well as bagging bulk items like oranges and cereal and things like that that make um, make it a little bit easier for clients to handle. Very good. We've talked a little bit about how the way that food banks were struggling a little bit more during the pandemic, and then it was on a national level has waned a little bit as the pandemic continues to go on. What are some things that you would want those in our community to be aware of, or what would be your pitch to to help, whether it's from a donation perspective, organizing a food drive, or taking some time to reach out and schedule time for their group or organization to volunteer? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think one of the things that that folks need to keep in mind is is that we saw so much generous support last year, and we're we're so grateful and thankful for that. And that actually helped us take a few steps and building capacity to be able to do more for our agencies and the clients that they serve. We don't want everyone to to forget though that we still need your support and ongoing support because what we're able to do with with just a little bit of of either financial support or food, it goes a it goes a really long way. And if you think about it, everyone was impacted in some way by the pandemic. And when you think about those less fortunate, they were impacted in a bigger way. And so finding access to child care and finding access to food and, and health care all, are all problems that, that those individuals still face. And they're our neighbors, so we want to help them out. And you can organize a food drive in your office. You can come and volunteer with us. You can make a financial donation or just drop off a bag of canned goods. All of those things go a long way, and we need all those things to happen all year long in order to do what we do. Uh, we're looking last year we went up to seven million pounds of food distributed. We're looking at going close to six again this year, which is which is kind of unheard of for us. And we know there's still more that we can do. As far as volunteering at your local office or at your business um, for containers, is that something that we would that somebody would pick up from your location? Do they just use ones that they have existing at their location or pick something up at, at a local store? Uh, what is your guidance on that? Sure. Yeah, we have a food sourcing coordinator. Uh, her name is Rose Harding. And you can, if you want to email her, you can reach her at nutrition at hhfoodbank.org. And we'd be happy to bring you a food drive barrel if that's what you like, or a couple of them. Some people like to use their own boxes or receptacles, but we do have our own Hoosier Hills Food Bank barrels that we'll drop off and come pick up. So we'd love to help you with that if you want to reach out to Rose. Great information. Thank you so much, Jake. We have about one minute left. Last minute thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners as we as we wrap up today. I think just that just driving home that the fact that everything was was bad for a long time, it still continues to be to some degree. And just to kind of reiterate that the fact that we were all impacted in some way, but those that are that are less fortunate really were impacted in a negative way. And to keep in mind that it takes a while for for things to kind of wane for them. And we still need your support in order to help our neighbors because we know we see it firsthand that that they're still struggling. 
And they're all our neighbors. Thank you so much, Jake, for taking the time to join us today. Jake Bruner with the Hoosier Hills Food Bank. Thank you so much and have a great holiday. Hey, thanks, Julie. You too. We'd also like to thank our friends at the Porthole Inn for sponsoring our community update, along with Amanda Webb for providing music. On behalf of Julie and the entire team here at the South Central Indiana News Network, my name is Skip Daly. Join us Fridays as we keep you in touch with what's happening. was a production of the South Central Indiana News Network.